Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 10, The Parable of the Ten Virgins, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, there is some tree work in my area, and there is the buzzing of chainsaws. I cannot do much to prevent that because it is extremely hot here reaching almost 100 degrees in temperature, and I need to get this done sooner than later because it's going to get very humid on top of it, and it's going to be at least three days. So I do apologize for any issues in this episode. May you all have good air conditioning, which at present I do not. May you all be blessed of God. So, with that, last week, we posted our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 9, The Parable of the Fig Tree, on July 31st. Matthew, Mark, and Luke speak of all these things, quote-unquote, and this generation, quote-unquote. Just what do Matthew, Mark, and Luke mean by these terms? Are we, quote, this generation, end quote? Is it that time in the biblical prophecies of things coming to the tribulation period marked by what these gospel men are telling us? This is just a part of what we work to find answers to. These and other questions we all have in regard to this subject. Given the way each writer speaks, here again, we see all three men speaking identically. These three verses point directly to a specific generation of people on this earth. This specific generation of people will not pass away, or, as we would say today, they will not die, quote, until all these things take place, end quote. Keep in mind, today, a generation timeline is ambiguously defined with more than one end. In Bible times, a generation was only 40 years. Also, what are, quote, all these things, end quote? The next question we also need to ask is, are we seeing all these things happening now because we are, in fact, in that specific generation of people? Many would say, to find out more. Listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 9, The Parable of the Fig Tree. For more, listen to our entire series, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Parts 1 through 9. This week, as my subtitle says, we will start to examine the parable of the ten virgins. This parable is only recorded by Matthew. Mark and Luke diverge from here with other subject matter related to Christ. Before that divergence, all three gospel books end with this passage. But as for that day or hour, no one knows it, 
neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father. Watch out! Exclamation point. Stay alert! Exclamation point. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. He left his house and put his slaves in charge, assigning to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to stay alert. Stay alert. Then, because you do not know when the owner of the house will return, whether during evening, at midnight, when the rooster crows, or at dawn, or else he might find you asleep when he returns suddenly. What I say to you, I say to everyone, stay alert! Exclamation point. From Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. Each chapter ends this passage in their own words. At the very least, we should notice two things. First, this passage opens with, But as for that day or hour, no one knows it, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father. In the book of Revelation, we read of a very public return of Christ. Yet, we just read that no one knows the day or the hour. Not angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father of the Trinity does know the day and hour of Christ's return for his people. Once again, we are reading of a hidden event, not a public one. Notice further, Mark says when Jesus sums his parable, Stay alert, then, because you do not know when the owner of the house will return, whether during evening, at midnight, when the rooster crows, or at dawn, or else he might find you asleep when he returns suddenly. Mark is clearly quoting Jesus' words, which, as noted already, is speaking of a hidden event that could come at any time, day or night, without any warning. Notice how Mark concludes in verse 37. It says, quote, What I say to you, I say to everyone. Stay alert! Exclamation point. End quote. This passage is framed with an exclamatory statement of stay alert. We therefore must conclude that we are being emphatically told to stay alert not a suggestion or casual statement, but an emphatic one. I want to make this very clear to drive home the importance of what Jesus is saying to those listening as recorded here in the book of Matthew. If nothing else, in these days, quite possibly the last days, we need to stay alert for the hidden return of Christ, for his people. Equally important, notice how this speaks of a sudden, unannounced return of Jesus in parable form. Notice how this passage is framed with an unseen and unannounced return of Christ. Yet, we have examined other scripture passages that speak very clearly and distinctly of a very visible return of Christ. So, it is clear we are reading scripture that tells us of his hidden pre-tribulation return for his people 
before the Great Tribulation period of seven years starts. With that rather long preface, let us examine this hidden return of Christ in this week's parable, the parable of the ten virgins. Our passage reads, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of the virgins were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish ones took their lamps, they did not take extra olive oil with them. But the wise ones took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom was delayed a long time, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, the bridegroom is here! Come out and meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There won't be enough for you and for us. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they had gone to buy it, the bridegroom arrived, and those who were ready went inside with him to the wedding banquet. Then the door was shut. Later, the other virgins came too, saying, Lord, Lord, let us in. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore, stay alert, because you do not know the day or the hour. From Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Once again, we read the words, Stay alert, because you do not know the day or the hour. Quote, unquote. Therefore, be warned as Scripture says we need to be. With that said, let us start at the beginning. Verse 1 says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Then shall the kingdom of heaven. The phrase here refers to his coming in the day of judgment. Shall be likened or shall resemble. The meaning is, when the Son of Man returns to judgment, it shall be as it was in the case of ten virgins in a marriage ceremony. The coming of Christ to receive his people to himself is often represented under the similitude of a marriage, the church being represented as his spouse or bride. The marriage relation is the most tender, firm, and endearing of any known on earth, and on this account it fitly represents the union of believers to Christ. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Notice the type of relationship we are supposed to have with our Lord, Jesus. We just read, the coming of Christ to receive his people to himself is often represented under the similitude of a marriage, the church being represented as his spouse or bride. The, quote, church, end quote, his bride, is all of us, male and female, who are saved by his grace and are known to him through our conversion and receiving his forgiveness for our sins. Outside of that explanation, I have seen over my lifetime 
that it is a bit more difficult for men to understand this parable than for women. For anyone who is a worldly bridegroom, this parable may be a bit more difficult to understand since, in this parable, the ten virgins, or ten bridesmaids, as some Bibles render in this passage, are referred to as a single group of God's people made of both male and female who are ready, or maybe, not ready. Maybe now, this part of the commentary passage will make better sense when we read, The marriage relation is the most tender, firm, and endearing of any known on earth, and on this account it fitly represents the union of believers to Christ. Because this is a parable, it is used as an example to say something else. It only speaks to the fact that our relationship to Christ through our salvation in Him is taken with, at the very least, the same degree of seriousness and honor that a groom has for his bride, and it should be the same for us to Christ. We see this wedding ceremony in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 6 through 10, which reads, Then I heard what sounded like the voice of a vast throng, like the roar of many waters, and like loud crashes of thunder. They were shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the all-powerful reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. She was permitted to be dressed in bright, clean, fine linen, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write the following, Blessed are those who are invited to the banquet at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. He also said to me, these are the true words of God. So I threw myself down at his feet to worship him. But he said, Do not do this. I am only a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony about Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Verse 7 is our cross-reference. For clarity, it read, let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Notice, while the book of Matthew speaks of a wedding in parable form, the book of Revelation speaks of just such an event taking place in heaven before his people, his, quote, bride, end quote, meaning us who are truly saved in him, joins him in his return to earth. Remember, though, the best definition of a wedding is a ceremony of joining and promise. I ask you, isn't that what our receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is like? Is the wedding ceremony not an excellent similitude for our receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior? Revelation 21, verse 9 speaks of this same church, us, male and female. It reads, Then one of the seven angels, who had 
the seven bowls full of the seven final judgments, came and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. We learn further. I will show you, the bride, the Lamb's wife. I will show you what represents the redeemed church, now to be received into permanent union with its Lord as a bride about to be united to her husband. Compare with Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 8, from Barnes' New Testament Notes. Notice how Barnes referred to us back in Revelation 19. This is how to find the biblical connections that help us put the puzzle of Scripture investigation together so we have a cognitive and seamless understanding as much as humanly possible. Not based in speculative and assumed learning, but real learning of what Scripture tells us about subjects, such as this, where the story is spread out through the Bible. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 2, we read, Five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. What is Christ trying to tell us with this comment in this parable? The short context reads, Five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish ones took their lamps, they did not take extra olive oil with them. But the wise ones took flasks of oil with their lamps. Notice how this passage breaks down for better understanding. The words wise and foolish here refer only to their conduct in regard to the oil. The one part was wise in taking oil, the other foolish in neglecting it. The conduct of those who were wise refers to those who are prepared for the coming of Christ prepared by possessing real piety and not merely profession. The conduct of those without oil expresses the conduct of those who profess to love him but are destitute of true grace and are unprepared to meet him. Nothing can be argued from the number here in regard to the proportion of sincere Christians among professors. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Barnes made two worthwhile comments we should examine. One, the words wise and foolish here refer only to their conduct in regard to the oil. Half of the bridesmaids in this case carried extra oil, and the other half did not. In other words, half of the ten brides loved their unseen groom enough to know. The circumstances required extra lamp oil, just in case, and they diligently possessed it. We could view that today as having a full devotion to God and His will for our lives, being willing to serve Him in whatever way we are capable of in the times we live, being willing to put off the world when it interferes with our serving God. That decision can be very difficult to make. However, we demonstrate a greater degree of service when we can make the right decision. The second thing commentary told us is, nothing can be argued from the number here in regard to the proportion of sincere Christians 
among professors. This demonstrates how this is a parable. The simple numbers in this parable are used primarily to keep it simple, while cultural in that present day, when more than one wife was considered culturally acceptable. This is why the ten virgins or bridesmaids need to be seen, especially by us today, as a similitude for his church at large throughout the world. In fact, this parable speaks of those who profess to be his bridesmaid and those who have chosen to really be his bridesmaid, or those known as his chosen people. Does this not describe many churches we find today? Many who sound like they know Christ, but demonstrate little, if any, real relationship of really knowing him. It is not to teach us the number of those who shall be saved and those who shall not. In teaching us to watch and be ready, our Lord gives great additional interest by the circumstances of his narrative. But there is no authority for saying that he meant to teach that just half of professing Christians would be deceived. The probability is that nothing like that number will be found to have been hypocrites. The five foolish versions probably expected that the bridegroom would come immediately. They therefore provided for no delay and no uncertainty. The wise virgins knew that the time of his coming was uncertain, and they therefore furnished themselves with oil. This was carried in vessels so that it could be poured on the torch or lighted torch or large ornamental candlestick when it was necessary. From Barnes New Testament Notes This is a very important takeaway from this commentary passage. The wise virgins knew that the time of his coming was uncertain, comma. Maybe this is why no one knows the day or the hour. Is that not the same uncertainty the five bridesmaids or five virgins, at the very least, understood to some degree? Next week, we will continue to examine the parable titled, the parable of the ten virgins. This will give us a look into what his coming for us will look like. The question that should now be answered is, does this scripture speak of his hidden return for his bride or of his very visible second coming to earth? Join us next week for our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 11, The Parable of the Ten Virgins, Part 2. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ.
we greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.